John 1.35. So the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Simon's going to come and conclude our series. For those of you who don't know Simon, Simon's our regional Baptist minister for the, I think it's the central sector? Yeah, of the Eastern Baptist Association. So Simon's uh, well known to Camborne Church, but he might not be well known to some individuals here. So um, this is Simon. Uh, Simon, to come and we'll pray for you. I'll move that. And what do you want to your first? There you are. Let's pray. <coughs> Father God, we thank you for Simon. We thank you for his willingness to come and bring your word to us this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would anoint his words. We pray, Lord, that they may be words which speak richly into our hearts and minds and reveal Jesus to us. And Lord, give him joy as he speaks in your name, for we ask this for your glory's sake. Amen. Really is a joy, I think I'm on, really is a joy to be here and... uh, yeah, as Matthew said, it's, uh, I'm often here for uh, local advisory groups. We're part of the support network for this uh, church, the ecumenical support group. And it's, uh, it's good to be part of that. It's good to see what God has done and is doing um, at uh, Camborne. I want to first of all say uh, thank you for your gift to Baptist uh, BMS World Mission. I... Uh, uh, was uh, encouraged recently to hear the news that Campbell wanted to support BMS, uh, our Baptist uh, overseas mission agency. Uh, and uh, the question was asked, what would, what, what would be a, a good gift, what would be a good project to give this gift to? And uh, last year, I went to Birmingham and met this guy called Ben Francis. There he is in the corner there. And uh, he was talking about this project called Big Life. Uh, in uh, West Bengal and beyond in uh, that part of Asia. And he said the words that Jesus said uh, to his disciples, come and see. To me, he said, you want to see what we're doing? Come and see. And so I took him up on that offer. Uh, I was in India uh, in January and February 
two weeks as part of the Cambridgeshire Ecumenical Council, visiting the Diocese of Valor, which uh, the Cambridgeshire Ecumenical Council have had a link with over a number of years. But for a week, spending some time with Ben Francis uh, and staying in Kolkata. And uh, it was a powerful experience for me. And I think this will, uh, I want to tell you where your money's gone. Uh, but I also think this uh, project really illustrates this Bible passage today. There's a picture there, well, it's a bit dark, but what you can see there is a training day for church planters involved in Big Life, because Big Life is a church planting project. We joined this group who were gathered together to pray together, to uh, tell stories of what God was doing in their midst. I was very challenged by this group of people. There was a, an 18-year-old in their midst who had planted so far, <laughs> and he had a dream of planting more, planted so far 20 churches. An 18-year-old who had planted 20 churches. There are people in this room who were planting churches in Muslim communities who had been beaten up uh, as uh, a result of doing that, but they had seen people come to faith in those villages, and they had planted churches among uh, former Muslim believers. Uh, and... Uh, many, many churches have been planted through Big Life. One of the things about uh, the churches of Big Life, uh, they're, they're, they look a bit like this. <laughs> uh, no big church building. Uh, it's very simple church uh, where people gather together in homes. This is on someone's roof. Uh, uh, probably average size of church, 10 to 15 adults plus children. Uh, gathered together to open the word together, to praise God together, to share stories and to share faith. I was very impressed by them, by uh, the hospitality, by the willingness to share faith and uh, to uh, worship together. So it was, it was great to be going along to one of those churches. Um, and what Big Life does is goes to a village uh, and it serves that village. On the left here, we've got a doctor. I went on the, one of the days on a boat. We d- drove for a couple of hours. We got on a boat for an hour, visited a remote village near the Bangladesh border. And uh, they'd been there twice before. And this time they took a doctor who was uh, offering medication and, uh, to, to the people in this village. They offered some games for the children, uh, which they... Uh, asked me to help with uh, a bit of translation. I, I, I learned a bit of Tamil while I was there. Sotram means praise the Lord in Tamil, but that was as far as it went. So they translated for me as I told these children a story as a kid. And then I was invited into someone's home and, uh, and was invited there. They, they visited, this was a third visit to this remote village. And as we were walking to this person's house, uh, one of Ben's... Uh, Associates, Ritesh said to me, when, when we are offered hospitality uh, and we receive that, do feel free to tell them about Jesus, uh, which I was, uh, it was such a joy and a privilege to do. I was able to tell them my story and I was able to ten, tell them God's story. And uh, as we were on the boat back, Ritesh said to me, uh, today is the first day that the gospel has come to this village. This is, it was just such a privilege to be part. And they're, they're, they're working in that village, and uh, slowly a church will emerge there as well. 
Big Life is a church planting project. Uh, and uh, in 2003, there were three people uh, from India who were willing to say, uh, Lord, use us to reach this part of the world, this part of the world that we love, which we call home. Use us, we pray. Thirteen years later, 242,500 uh, new believers. They do a census every year of the people in their churches. And 18,800 uh, churches planted just in India alone. And you can see the statistics there. Uh, more believers, more churches in those other parts of Asia. People who are invited to come and see Jesus, to experience what it means to be one of his followers. And I'm going to come back to the story of Big Life because I think it's so powerful in terms of understanding our discipleship. So let's have a look uh, at the passage. And it begins with John the Baptist. I've got too many things up here. Bear with me a second. (laughs) I'm going to put this down there. It starts with John the Baptist. And uh, I know last week uh, Matthew referred to Mary's song, a song that we often read about at Christmas. And I wanted to read Zechariah's song, which often we also refer to. Uh, And some people have this in their daily reading, Zechariah's song, those words that uh, John the Baptist's father uh, sung over him, spoke and prophesied over him, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And that's what's happened here. John the Baptist, 30 years after this this prophecy, has been at the river Jordan baptizing people uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And there were those who would call themselves his disciples. They have been stirred in their hearts to respond to this message of confession and forgiveness, of repentance and a changed life. And two of these disciples, one of them we know as Andrew and John the Baptist in this passage in John 1, talks and says, look, the Lamb of God, look. I wonder this morning, as we think about coming and seeing, I wonder who first said to you, come and see. I, uh, I want to honour this morning my grandmother, who was one of those people that said to me, come and see, who introduced me to Jesus, who prayed for me, and when I went to uh, university, sent me off to university with a Bible. And and there were those at university who invited me to come with them to uh, see and to understand who Jesus was. I wonder who it was for you. As we think about discipleship, 
as you've been thinking about discipleship? Who was it that first, like John the Baptist with Andrew and his friend who is unnamed, who was it that first prepared the way for you to meet Jesus? Who was it that, as it were, uh, prayed and uh, talked and their life was a witness before you? Want in your mind to acknowledge that person, to give thanks for that person because they have uh, introduced you to Jesus. John says, look, look at Jesus as he comes. Here is the Lamb of God. And in their hearts, because of the, the preparation that John had done with them, they were ready to follow. And turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? I love the way Jesus does that. He does that when he's healing people as well sometimes. He says, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? What is the desires of your heart? And they say to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Rabbi, where are you staying? And in this answer, they reveal what they want. They want to learn. They want to learn. I think I might have missed a slide. Yeah. What do you want? Rabbi, where are you staying? Rabbi means teacher. They want to learn from him. They want to learn from him. And they say, where are you staying? They don't just want to learn from him uh, and then leave him. They want to go where he is going. They want to follow him. And Jesus says to them, come and see. And they went and saw. Got two pictures on the screen there to think about learning the rabbi, they say, they realise he's a teacher. And I think they understand the sort of teacher that he is. That sign there, Apprenticeships, is the logo for the government apprenticeship scheme. And I've, I've heard somewhere that some churches are looking at using the government apprenticeship screen, uh, scheme to train uh, people in, in pioneer ministry, which would be an interesting uh, experiment to do. Uh, but um, I wonder, as Jesus, the rabbi... Is he this sort of teacher that you might find, I don't know if you recognise that building, it's a, a King's College Chapel, whether the sort of teacher that you would find in an academy, a lecturer, a professor, someone who, uh, I mean, I spent uh, four years uh, at, at university. Is it that sort of learning that uh, Jesus offers? Or is it more the apprenticeship, the learning on the job, the action learning I want to share with you some thoughts by um, Alan Hirsch. He's got a a book called The Forgotten Ways, and he talks about different types of learning. Uh, A Greek concept of knowledge and the Hebrew concept of knowledge. And he says, uh, discipleship is about changing old thinking and old behaviour into new thinking and new behaviour. And often in church, we use the Greek model of knowledge, of learning, where you start thinking our way into a new way of acting. And I'm someone that's done this. I've, I've preached, I've led Bible studies. We think that somehow by learning more and more up here, our actions will be changed. And, uh, the problem is what actually happens is you end up having new thinking and often the old behavior stays. Hirsch suggests a different way of us learning and 
the learning style that Jesus used with his disciples. We act our way to a new way of thinking. We do, we go and do, we come and see, we journey with Jesus, we experience with him, and then we have new thinking and new behaviour. Our thinking is challenged by our actions. Now, my friend Chris is here today, and uh, Chris uses this uh, style of teaching whenever he's doing stuff with the light project or maybe some of you have gone out onto the streets with Chris. Chris and I, uh, uh, when Chris was Baptist Union president, we went to the Central Baptist Association and we were, I think it was a day or two before we were going to Stony Stratford. And uh, he, he, he said to me, I need you to lead a seminar. Uh, well, it's more of a on the streets type of seminar, he said. Have you heard of prophetic evangelism, treasure hunting? And I said, uh, oh yeah, I know what that is. And he said, well, can you lead a seminar on it? I said, well, I've never done it. <laughs> and he said, well, that's all right. You know what it is. <laughs> uh, just tell people what it is. Pray and hear God give you the clues for this treasure hunt. Go onto the streets. Then come back and see what happened. Okay, I said. Uh, and uh, we did it. <laughs> I, I, I told people what it was. We prayed and God did give us some clues. We went onto the streets and came back and God had used that to meet people on the streets, to give words of knowledge, to offer prayers of healing. Uh, and it was a very powerful experience. I think if I had, I'd have wanted to read the book three or four times, <laughs> to have gone to two or three seminars and then maybe have gone out onto the streets and done it. It's one of those things that, you know, really risky. And, and yet... Um, having gone and reflected, my thinking was changed as a result of doing uh, uh, and going and doing. That's what Hirsch is talking about. Sometimes we just need to do it. <laughs> and then our thinking is changed as a result of what we see when we do. And that's the sort of discipleship that Jesus was involved in. Uh, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Action. This isn't the sort of um, come that's where we say, come to church. Uh, Jesus isn't saying, come with me to this place where we're going to learn. He's saying, come with me on a journey. (laughs) Come with me on an adventure. And along this journey, on this adventure, we're going to learn together. This is an action coming, not a coming and sitting still type of coming. And seeing. What will you see as you go on a journey with God? Um, I'm a little bit worried here, Matthew, because my, this only goes up to 19 and I've got 24 slides. Uh, so I'm not sure what will happen nec- next, but um, this won't work, will it? No. Um, anyway, um, so there's a square here. This is um, from Mike Breen, and he talks about the discipleship square. This is what happens when we go on uh, a learning journey with Jesus. That's what discipleship is, a learning journey with Jesus. I do, you watch. Jesus says, come with me and see what I do. And then he says, I do and you help. And he does that. He gets uh, the disciples to help him in what he's doing. And then he says, you do, I help. So I don't know if you remember the the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus says, you feed them. <laughs> you know, all the disciples are saying, you know, that these people don't have any food and they're coming to Jesus with their problem. And Jesus says, you do it. <laughs> you do it. And then you do, I watch. This is a journey. Jesus does an apprenticeship scheme <laughs> all of his own. That's what being a disciple of Jesus means. 
going uh, on an apprenticeship scheme to learn from him. It's not like going to university and getting a degree that may or may not be useful at some point uh, future in life. It's about doing vocational training. It's about going on a journey. Come with me, see what I do, and then learn to do it too. That's the sort of discipleship that Jesus uh, invites us into. Now, they went and saw. Is that... Are we going? Yes, it moved. Brilliant. Uh, so they went and they saw. He says, come and see. And then the next line says, they went and they saw. Jesus discipled them as they want, went. And then we find, we have found, and he brought them, he brought Peter to Jesus. When we have gone and seen what Jesus does on this adventure that we take with him. The first thing Andrew does is go to his brother, uh, Peter, and says, that thing that I've been looking for, I found. That person, that Messiah, uh, that hope that we've had, it's been found in him. And he goes and shares that. I want to uh, have a look at the next screen. Because going back to big life, one of the things that is at the heart of big life is making disciples that make disciples. Part of being a disciple is helping others to become disciples too. The introduction to Jesus, come and see, naturally results in Andrew saying to somebody else, come and see. Jesus says it to Andrew, Andrew says it to Peter, uh, And uh, so it goes on. That's how we are all here today. Because someone, uh, Peter told someone who told someone who told someone uh, who told the person that told you to come and see. Making disciples that make disciples. And sometimes we think that being a disciple, being ready to share our faith, that, you know, he's had a day day with Jesus. (laughs) A day with Jesus and he's ready to share uh, the good news with somebody else. In Big Life, I want to show you the next slide, which is taken from their training manual, which is in 13 years. Uh, In the first two or three weeks, they're given more than a day, but for two or three weeks, they model, they help people learn how to share God's story, how to share their story of how God has reached them, to tell their story of discipleship and adventure, come and see, and then assist, they are helped to do it. Uh, Two or three weeks later, they are told to go and start a church in their own home. They're coming to a church in somebody else's home where they're being discipled, but they're told to go and then set up a church in their own home to invite people and disciple them. Uh, And very soon, uh, two or three weeks, uh, they are discipling others. There are a couple of steps ahead of the person they're discipling. All those churches have been planted. Then they're watched, uh, they're supported, encouraged, and then they're uh, enabled to get on with the work. That is how that 18-year-old has planted 20 churches uh, in those years, starting while he was at school and then uh, proceeding from there. They just think about these two words, just to summarise We're told by Jesus, we're invited by Jesus to come and see, 
to join me on an adventure, Jesus says. And then when we share that, those words to others, come and see, we are invited, uh, we are invited to share with others, to say, join us on an adventure with Jesus. We are called to be missional. We're called to be people who are inviting others to come with us on this journey. Our discipleship needs to be shared, uh, and shared in the way of a, of a vista or a, a wonderful view. You, you don't lose anything from the view when someone sat beside you sharing that view. It's not like sharing a box of chocolates where if you share them, you get less. <laughs> when we share Jesus, uh, uh, we don't lose anything. Uh, come and see What we see is we experience the good news in the here and now. We are called to embody Jesus. uh, When I was in Kolkata, I went to visit um, the the place where Mother Teresa was based in Kolkata. And uh, I remembered the story of Shane Claiborne who went to visit Mother Teresa. And uh, when he came back, people said to him, what's she like, Mother Teresa, what's she like? Uh, And he said, having thought about it, I can't really tell you what she's like because all I ever saw when I looked at Mother Teresa was Jesus. And we're called to be people that embody Jesus. And as we invite people to live life with us, to do life with us, hopefully they will see Jesus in us. We are called to be disciples that make disciples. We're called to be people that invite others to come and see too. I want to just pray a prayer to offer a poem that's been uh, written by a guy called Johnny Baker who's uh, involved in fresh expressions of church. And as these people are running in, in the 10K, uh, there's a sense in which... Uh, I, I remember my... Um, I ran the marathon in, in 2009, and uh, the crowd keeps you going. I can't hear much of a crowd out there. But the crowd keeps you going when you're running the marathon. And in Hebrews 12, at the beginning, we hear about that great crowd, cloud of witnesses. And I imagine those people that have gone before us, the people who have come and seen Jesus, who have gone on that journey of discipleship, and they are in that crowd. People like my grandmother and the people you were thinking about earlier. People who have shared the gospel with us, who have passed that baton to us. And we are called to share it in this generation too. Let me just pray uh, this poem over you. God crossed a border, a boundary, left his world to go on a journey into ours. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, dwelt among us, and we stand in a long line of ancestors, of pioneers, of risk-takers, of improvisers, of those who dared to take the adventure of following Christ, to leave their known world, to step off its edge, free-falling with God, crossing borders into unknown futures and new worlds to share the story of Christ, to plant the seed of the gospel. And as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. This story has been passed to us because of those who dared, who risked, who dreamed, who followed, who improvised. And now we stand looking out into the future. Will you dare? Will you dream? Will you risk? Will you follow? Will you leave your known world? Will you free fall with God? Will you join Christ in the adventure? Will you be baptised into God's mission? Will you rise to surf with God into the future? Will you trust the Spirit? Far we have come, far we must go. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Amen.